What is going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And it is our second to last Monday All Access of the year, of the season. Now, I know it's 2022, so it's sort of the first of the year, but it's also the last of the season. I don't know. We talk in terms of football year. So this is still the 2021 year. Next Monday will be our last day on radio, which is going to be weird. And then we go dark until after the Super Bowl, and we pick back up and talk about what my buddy Landry Locker has called the most exciting and fun offseason coming for the Houston Texans. Yeah, very much so. Mark talked about it this morning. There were, I think he said four things. Four, if I remember correctly. One of them, I remember he said something about a trade, potentially. The draft, I think, was one of them that we're going to have first and second round picks. I remember the third one, which I'm going to say, but I don't remember the fourth one. But the third one, I remember, we could find out the weekend of the Super Bowl. The number 80, Andre Johnson, is going into the Hall of Fame. And I know we've got everything, fingers, toes, everything crossed to see Dre, the GOAT, go in to the Hall of Fame. Well, we had a chance, Mark and I did, to catch up with Andre and get his thoughts about going into the Hall of Fame. And will Andre confirm what I've already known, that his 2001 Hurricanes are the greatest college football team of all time? And by the way, yes, he did confirm that. So here we go. Mark, me, Andre, the GOAT, Johnson. Here it is. Joining us is... Hall of Fame finalist, Andre Johnson. Drake, how's it going, my friend? I'm good. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well. First of all, your reaction to the news. I mean, it's got to feel great to be a finalist. I know that there's one more gigantic hill to climb here, but you're getting oh so closer. What's this process been like for you watching it unfold? Uh, to be honest, um, it really hasn't set in yet. Uh I just, um, you know, you, you, it's out of my control, and you know, I just try to control the things I can. And that was going out and playing, playing a game the way it should be played, and things like that. You know, just having a, a great career, and um, you know, just to even be a finalist uh, for the Hall of Fame, it's uh, it's very humbling, man. Just to, you know, even be in that position, so. Um, I'm just embracing it and, you know, just taking it one day at a time, step by step. Andre, now that you've reached this step, I know you talked about when you're playing, you you play your butt off and you just you play and you compete. But have you started to envision what it might be like to be on stage, to see your bus? Have you started to kind of envision those things now that you've reached this stage of being a finalist for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, you know, um, to be honest, I never um, – I used to – get asked about it all the time and I used to always say I would I never really thought about it you know because you know when you retire you know you have to wait five years um, to even be considered you know for the Hall of Fame so um, I think now you know being a finalist I think more about it Um, of course now being a finalist I hear more about it everywhere I go you know people congratulate me and you know telling me you know, they hope I get in on the first ballot and things like that. So I hear it every day now um, since uh, becoming a finalist. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's 
definitely something you think about. Um, I think about it more now than I ever have. Well, you've been on a bit of a Hall of Fame tour, really, Andre, because you were in the Houston Sports Hall of Fame, got inducted last spring, Texas Sports Hall of Fame before that. I was with you in 2014 when you got inducted into the Miami Hurricanes Sports Hall of Fame. What's it been like to get into those halls? And i got to imagine it kind of gets you ready for the big moment, possibly, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, I think any time um, you can go in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, no matter what level it is, you know, college, high school, um, you know, even the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, uh, you know, it's it's a tremendous honor. Um, you know, it just shows all the hard work and dedication you put into your craft. And, you know, that it all paid off. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, the NFL Hall of Fame is, you know, the probably the, the, the biggest accomplishment, you know, you can make, you can have uh, other than winning the Super Bowl. So, um, just like I said, just to be considered a, uh, you know, just to be a finalist, man, it just is it's very humbling. Um, you know, like I said, it still really hasn't set in yet, you know. So, I, I, like I said, I get asked about it all the time. You know, sure. Everywhere I go now, you know, people are just, you know, talking about it. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just embracing the moment and, you know, hopefully, you know, we can take that next step and get in the camp. And there's so many people in the city of Houston, Andre, that are, you know, so, so proud of you and, What I find fascinating is you're from Miami, you went to the U, but if people were to ask about Andre Johnson, they're like, oh, no, he's a Houstonian. He's a Houstonian. You've clicked for some reason in this particular city. Like, people gravitate. Like, you're of Houston. Like, when Akeem Olajuwon came here in the 80s, I mean, he played his college ball in Houston. Yeah, he's from Nigeria, but he plays college ball in Houston. That attached him to the city. You came from Miami and just played ball. And you're now more Houstonian, or thought of as a Houstonian, maybe even more than you are uh, a native of South Florida. Does that? How does that make you feel? Well, it's funny because uh, you know sometimes um, you know being a Miami guy, you know I root for the Heat, you know and stuff like yeah. that in <laughs> basketball. So uh, sometimes when people see me post something about the Heat, you know they take it personal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because, like, I think they forget that I'm from Miami. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, now people, you know, people think, I guess because I've been here so long, and like you said, just, you know, I've just kind of clicked with the city. Uh, you know, people think that I'm from Houston. <laughs> and, you know, some you, it's funny because you would read some of the comments and people would be like, do you not realize he's from Miami? <laughs> so, um, it's, I don't know, man. It's just something about this city. Um I always tell people from the time I got here, they they embraced me um, like I was one of their own. And uh, you know, I, and in a comment I made uh, the other day when I found out found out that I was a finalist, like when I played um, when I played the game on Sunday, like you know, I always tell people it wasn't just for me. You know, it was it was it was to represent everybody in the city. Um, you know. When I when I went out on that field and played, you know, it wasn't just about me. It wasn't just about my teammates. Um, you know, I always embraced the challenge to put this um, organization on the map. And, you know, like I said, it wasn't just about me. It was about everybody. You know, it was about this whole city of Houston. Um, because many people didn't respect us when I first got here. And, you know, 
the way I played the game, I wanted people to respect us and, you know, give us our just do. So, uh, you know, that's what motivated me every day um, to go out and compete the way I did. And he gave us so many unforgettable moments. Andre Johnson joining us on Texans Monday. Andre, Reggie Wayne is a finalist as well. You guys were on the same campus together. Your careers overlapped so long. He started in 01. You started in 03. You were in the same division. Have you talked to Reggie at all about this? He has previously said you are definitely a Hall of Famer. Have you talked to him? Yeah. yeah um, the day that the um, finalist list came out, um, I text him, and uh, you know, it's you don't see two uh, two guys from the same position going to hall at the same time, especially not the receiver position. Uh, so, you know, I told him, I said, man, you know, I wish things could be different this year. We both can go in at the same time. You know, um, you know, Reggie was my host when I came to Miami um, on my uh, official visit when I was in high school. So. Man, we have so many um, great memories. He's a great friend of mine, uh, you know, like a brother to me, a big brother to me. Um, you know, we competed against each other um, a lot throughout our career because we were both in the same division. And, uh, you know, like I, I, I've told people before, Reggie deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy that we both finalists, and, you know, I'm sure it's only one of us that's going to get in, but. You know, no matter who it is, I, and I tell people, you know, if I don't get in this year, you know, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, I'm just happy just to even be considered. So, um, but I, I, I definitely think Reggie deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Got me thinking. So I pulled it up. Mm-hmm. The 2001 Miami roster. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty, it's pretty darn good when you start looking at it. I mean, even guys that were that were backups on that team ended up being uh, legends. Dre, you talked about this a little bit. We talked about the connection to Houston. You were the first to go into the Ring of Honor for the Texans. When you go into the Hall of Fame, whether it's this year or next year, whatever it might be, you're going to be the first Texans player to go into the Hall of Fame. Being the first to do something, does that matter? at all to you does that mean something to you that you were the first to be able to do those things for an NFL franchise um I never really thought about it like that um but I think uh when you are the first to do something um it just uh you know you will forever be remembered um you know you uh you created uh you know a legacy um you know, like the people say, it's almost like immortalizing yourself. So uh, I just – I don't really give too much thought to it, you know, about being the first. But, you know, I think when you are first, you know, it just uh, – you know, it just says a lot. So um, I just – like I said, I just try to embrace every moment. Um, I don't try to overthink things. And, you know, I just kind of let things play out, man. So – you know, like I said, it hasn't really all set in yet. You know, I think, you know, probably I get that knock on the doors when it, it all set, settle in. So, um, and like right now I'm just taking it step by step and just embracing it all. Okay, so put your stake in the ground. 2001 Miami Hurricanes, greatest college football team of all time, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> you yes, went there. There's no question about to. it. <laughs> See? <laughs> there it is. I mean, it's insane to look at the people that are on that team. 
Absolutely. It is the greatest team of all time. Hey, the 2000 Hurricanes, Dre, because yeah. that's when you and Reggie were on together, yeah. right? Santana right. Moss. Yeah. And yeah. you know, speaking of, of Hall of Fame, I know Anquan Bolden didn't make the finalist list, but he'll have an opportunity right. down the line. And you have three guys who are on the field together during wide right three because he played for Florida State. That's pretty strong as well. Wow. Right, right. Yeah, Anquan was a, uh, Anquan was a great player. Um, you know, me and Anquan came out of high school together um, the same year in 99. Uh, we played in the Florida-Georgia game together. He was a uh, – my quarterback. He was a quarterback in high school. Yep. So, um, great player, tremendous talent, man. Um, always, you know, kept up with him and his career. Um, definitely a guy that's deserving uh, to be in the Hall of Fame also. You know, played the game the right way, competed hard, um, very physical receiver. Um, something I always loved about him and his game. Dre, you had a magical dozen years here. I know you were also part of the coaching staff at one point, and we saw you in the McNair suite last Sunday sitting with the McNairs and watching a terrific win for the Texans over the L.A. Chargers. What were your thoughts on being there, being with the McNairs, and also what you were seeing on the football field that day as the Texans beat L.A.? Um, it was great to be back um, in the, just in the stadium in general. Uh, I hadn't um, got a chance to uh, come watch many games over the past few years. Uh, but it was just great to be back, um, sit there with um, Miss Janice and Cal, you know, just talk about the game and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I just watched the team play. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, there were so many different guys here and that were brought in, free agents and things of that nature. And, you know, I think uh, in that game, you just kind of seen uh, – it just seems like things have kind of like uh, – I guess you could say slow down slow down a little bit. You know, the team seems to be coming together as one. Um, one thing I've always just noticed about the guys, they go out and compete hard every week. You know, that's never a question. But it just seems like everything just kind of came together on uh, that Sunday when they played against the Chargers. Um, you know, everything was just kind of clicking – Guys were creating turnovers and things of that nature. So it was a fun game to watch. What are you seeing in Mills so far? That was a good day for him. Rookie quarterback, third-round draft choice. And what are you seeing from him, Andre? Um, I, I think things are starting to um, – the game is starting to slow down for him. Um, you know, you, you can see that in um, in the Chargers game. Um, I didn't. I, I just got to watch the first half of the game yesterday. I couldn't watch the whole game yesterday, um, but you know, I think things are starting to slow down for him. You know, it, that that happens with rookies. Um, they come in. You know, he was kind of. You know, I, I think you know they didn't really expect. You know, uh, probably playing them this year, but you know, the things happen with Deshaun and different things. So. Um, you know, he got through into the fire. And, uh, you know, as a rookie, man, just adjusting from, you know, college to the pro is a, it's a different game. And uh, it's a fat, much faster game. Um, there's, you know, guys in disguise, defense is better and things of that nature. So, uh, I, but I, I think he's improved. Um, I think the game has slowed down for him. He seems to be more comfortable now um, than he was in the beginning of the season. Dre, all this – you know, Hall of Fame stuff for you. We we've known you for for a while. We know it's like 
it, it can be uncomfortable and everybody's like, hey, man, good luck, and they're all talking about that. But I know Houston people are very, very proud, and I know Houston fans all probably have a favorite Andre Johnson moment as a Texan, and it's all different. I think everybody, I think Mark and I would sit here, and we we come up with a million of them. We, are, we probably each have a different one. But from you, the man himself, do you have one that you – you remember more than anything else, like an Andre Johnson moment from Andre Johnson that stands out more than any other? Um, I always tell people my favorite um, memory is uh, winning our first playoff game. Um, yeah. You know, here in Houston against Cincinnati. That was probably um, my favorite uh, moment, um, favorite play was just me, involving me. Um, I would probably say, well, actually, I have two of them. Um, the uh, catch against Washington, the fourth down catch. Yep, right. Um, against Washington, Washington, and the uh, player against Arizona uh, when I ran over the two guys to go into the end zone. Isn't probably my favorite two plays. But degree of difficulty, Dre, don't you think fourth and ten over Jeremiah Bell just plucking that, on his head. Pluck, plucking that ball away from him, that was probably the toughest catch. Am I wrong about that? Can you rate that one for me? Yeah, um, that would that would probably be my third favorite. Okay. Uh, behind uh, Washington and uh, the uh, Arizona play. That would, that would be my third one. Those are the three plays I always. Those those three plays are the first three plays that pretty much stick out in my mind when I uh, think about my favorite plays I had throughout my career. All right. Well, we really appreciate the visit, Andre. It's been such a pleasure. We hope to have many more <laughs> this offseason. And best of luck. I know they're going to make their decision soon, and uh, let's hope they make the right one. And we're celebrating this summer, but we really appreciate the visit right now. We're waiting on pins and needles for later this month. I appreciate you guys for having me. Now, I know a lot of people are out there in their cars right now listening. And they, when I asked that question of Andre, I know what a lot of you were thinking. A lot of you. Now, we've talked with Andre about this before. And he sort of chuckles at it. I don't think he likes to be associated with that. I can sort of speak to it. One of the things I know a lot of people associate me with is kind of losing my bleep on a draft pick many years ago. People loved it because it showed emotion. It showed passion, and that's what a lot of people think about about Andre and a certain defensive back that shall not be named. I'm glad he didn't go there. We don't go there because obviously we've talked to Dre in the past. He doesn't shy away from it if he's asked, but he likes the focus being on what he did out on the field, even though, by the way, you don't mess with anybody from South Florida who is now all the way in Houston, as Andre Johnson is. That was so fun getting a chance to catch up with him. And Mark and I talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it on the air. Maybe we did. But if Trey goes in, and I don't know who else will, will go in, but the Hall of Fame over the years has taken, especially if it's a first-time player or hasn't you know a, a team has not got a player in for a long time or a marquee player they will put that team in the hall of fame game giving fans an opportunity to kind of double dip go for the hall of fame induction and then go over for the game 
and I'm trying to they they've reorganized over the years how they time that whether I think it's the induction on Saturday and then the game on Sunday I think is how it goes but either way Dre goes in the caravan coming from Houston is going to be obscene they're going to want to see their be there to see their guy and that was why I asked that question there are there are legends there there are one name legends in this town uh, Nolan and Earl for sure now there are some others that are being cultivated along the way Jose as in Altuve and Jose was not of Houston but was he is now he is Houston to a lot of people and I think Andre Johnson's the same exact way you say Andre I think of two people I think Andre where you say Dre go people are thinking of Andre Johnson because that's the way he's referred to in this town but he's become as much he's become as much Houston as he is about Miami I thought that was pretty funny talking about the Miami Heat because people do expect hey man you're Andre Johnson you're Houston no no he's you know born and raised in Miami so that that tugs at his heartstrings now I still secretly will be pulling for the Brewers Bucks Packers at various times uh, when they're not playing Houston teams. So with the Texans playing the last game, the Packers will be my team in the playoffs. They always have been since I've been a kid. So I will be pulling for them from afar, uh, even though Aaron Rodgers sometimes can tweak my every last nerve. Point being, we don't forget where we were grown up, where we grow up. And that always sticks with you. But you get perceived as a person from a place. Like people associate me now with Houston. And I mean, I got here when I was 11 years old, so I associate me with Houston as well. But I grew up loving the Packers, being a towhead from Wisconsin, little blondie going to all the different sporting events uh, and loving the state of Wisconsin, loving the Badgers, loving all the professional sports. But now, no, it's all Houston, baby. Strohs, Rockets, and of course, the team that signs my checks, the Houston Texans. All right, we get back. Another guy who is like Andre, of Houston, even though he didn't grow up here. And that's Spencer Tillman. We had a lot to talk about with Spencer. Some good stuff from Spencer coming up next right here on Texans All Access. Hey, hey, welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And I got to give some props to our biggest fan out there today because I know we got a lot of fans. But I know these guys are some of our biggest fans in Houston, and that's Dykin. These guys are doing big things in our city of Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future. Reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Dykin. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Mattress Firm. It was weird to be out in Santa Clara, and I hear the guy in the loudspeaker, the the voice of the louds on the loudspeaker, say, "This game is brought to you by Mattress Firm." I'm like, yo, whoa! Mattress Firm gets around. But that's okay because Mattress Firm is the official mattress retailer of your Houston Texans. It's time to talk to our pal Spencer Tillman. Catching up with him on a number of different things, 
The Caleb Williams news about Oklahoma, transferring from Oklahoma, came up later in the day from when we had a chance to catch up with Spencer. It would have been interesting to see what he had to say about that news as the Sooners lose their top-notch, soon-to-be second-year quarterback. He was a stud as a true freshman for Oklahoma. Looks and appears as if he is transferring on. Now, is that USC, where his former coach Lincoln Riley is? And if so, does Jackson Dart, who is the, I would think, current starter at USC, does he move on? Maybe he goes to Oklahoma. Who knows? Either way, carousel will happen, no doubt. But Spencer Tillman had a lot of things to opine upon, and he was once a 49er. So there's some good stuff. We had a chance to catch up with him. How did you see it yesterday? Playing one of your former employers, Texans hanging in there, but again, offensive struggles in the second half plagued them. Well, I think you said it. I mean, it's the, the one turnover you had um, just missed opportunities. I thought I I didn't really like the game plan going in on the offensive side. I thought the defensive side of the ball was really done well. Nice mix of zone blitz, a lot of stress, which is typical for this defense to put on safeties. You know, dealing with Samuel and. Um, uh, you know, just it, the, the deep third routes that they run with him puts a lot of stress if you're trying to disguise coverage. And I thought the Texans did a fairly good job of containing uh, Debo. So that part of it was good. But on the offensive side, didn't like the idea of running option into um, the boundary, you know, the short side of the field. You have a quarterback that's not really inclined to be that guy. In, in order to get in, John knows this, to get the, the option working, you have to really press that unblocked guy. And when I say press him, I mean you got to get closer to him to put him in that, that conflict situation where he, he has to decide what he's going to do. And if you can't get close to him because of penetration, when Nick Bosa was in the backfield on one particular play where they tried it on the edge, that, that's problematic. That will, you know, draws and things of that nature, penetration absolutely kills it. So from that standpoint, didn't like it. Uh, just weren't able to get the rushing yards that Rex did a week ago. And because of that, 47 yards is not going to cut it against this defensive front. So uh, that's what the problem was in a nutshell. Spencer, Brandon Cooks came back yesterday, and the 49ers had all kinds of issues with him. We talked about he went over 1,000 yards for the second straight season. Two other guys have done it, Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins. When you watch Brandon Cooks, A, does he remind you of anybody? B, what do you like about Brandon Cooks' game and what he brings to this offense that, yes, has, albeit been a struggle this year, but when 13's involved, man, they can make some things happen. What are your thoughts on Brandon? Um, I don't know. I just didn't think about it in terms of who he reminds me of as an inside guy. You know, he's um, obviously more elusive. The speed is always a threat that he keeps in his back pocket, uh, and, and you have to honor that. And I, I love the matchup of him with the linebacker. I don't care how athletic the linebacker is. That's where, you know, Davis found him on the one touchdown that they had yesterday, that inside slot position against him. Uh, you know, defenses really feel good about guys that are hybrids who they feel like can cover this guy right here because of his speed, even though he's in the end zone, essentially, and you don't have the threat of long speed in that situation, uh, he still makes people nervous. So that just being a 5 tool guy from that standpoint, he really makes you consider all the options that he has at his disposal. He's a tough guy. He's a smart guy. He works really hard with quarterbacks. doesn't matter if you're a veteran or a young guy. He's going to be your friend. And, and that that's endearing to a, a signal caller. So, from that standpoint, there's a lot of intangibles that really separates him and makes him special. And there's no mystery why he has back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. He's a he's a friend of the guy that's going to touch the ball every single down. So I love his game. I love his attitude and his preparation more than anything else. Spencer, Tennessee comes in here on Sunday, and they got well over 100 yards from Deontay Foreman. They didn't turn the ball over in a dominating win over the Dolphins, who are a hot team going in. 
And now you have a chance to bump them from the top seed if you possibly can do it. What are your thoughts on the season finale on Sunday? Well, in the past, we've talked about the the inner game being the most important game that you can play, and this is one of those games. You know, you're facing a team that's a division rival yet, but your mind is going to tell you, look, they've already clinched uh, the division. Uh, they, they've got a top seed spot, and so they'll have a home field advantage, if I'm not mistaken, that first round anyway. So they, they, what are they playing for? Your mind, that's the kind of self-talk that's going to take place. What you have to do is shun that, put it on the back burner, and you have to make this game really, this is one of the rare cases where you make the game about you. I would pick two or three things that I want to improve on and then go back a couple of weeks ago that was part of that streak, win streak, and focus on that. And, and after 60 minutes, you can find yourself improving in those two departments. You've won that inner game battle. And that's what you're trying to do. The, the Titans aren't your opponent. It's really you. You're your opponent. And the coach has to set the table. Position coaches have to do the same thing and challenge every player to a man to find two or three things that you want to work on. And it's after we play 60 minutes, we sit down and look at that game tape. Will you have been better in those three areas? If you can say yes to that, this will have been a successful outing uh, to close out the season. Spencer, you have jewelry with the team that we played yesterday and from that team with the input you had back in the 80s, the San Francisco 49ers. So I would imagine they tug at your heartstrings a little bit. So when you watch them, and there's a whole body of work on Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's this tiny little sketch of Trey Lance, what kind of decision does Kyle Shanahan have going forward about Lance and Garoppolo if Garoppolo is healthy enough to throw the football because it's his right thumb what do you do if you're Kyle Shanahan with that quarterback spot? Well, you, you know in the short term what the strategy is. It's keep you in that ambivalent space, right? If you're facing a team that's got to deal with them, you don't tell anybody what his availability is going to be. You say, right. well, he should be available. You, know, you just kind of play that game because you've got to spend a certain amount of time uh, preparing for either one. And any time that you spend diminishes uh, from the other if one ends up playing all the games. So you would have lost 50% of your preparation. So he's going to play that game short-term. Long-term, I think everyone knows that Trey Lance was the guy that they thought was going to be elevated eventually. So it's a matter of, of time, and it's kind of like in a very real sense, uh, in some way, maybe not to the same degree because he wasn't as high a draft pick, but the same thing with Davis Mills. I said – Five weeks ago, and this is not a comment or commentary. It's just an, as an analyst point of view, I say what I see. Um, once once uh, Tyrod Taylor was pulled, I said he'll never touch the field again the remainder of the season, and, and unless an injury happens. And that, that's because you, if you're doing your job as a coordinator, uh, doing your job as a general manager, doing your job as a head coach, you're going to find out what this kid has. You're going to try to put him in every – talking about Davis Mills – in every scenario, scenario he could possibly be in, and then see how he performs so you can make a qualified and informed decision. So I think in a very real sense, Shanahan is doing the same thing. We know that the Trey Lance is the future for them. He's going to be their guy. But I think having both of them available and being able to put that specter out there is going to make preparation uh, a challenge for the defense that they're going to be facing and then maximize their opportunity to get a win. Spencer, we had Andre Johnson on the air, Hall of Fame finalist. So he's yeah. one of the final 15 here. Your thoughts on his chances, maybe what you think about him possibly getting in as a first ballot guy. What are your thoughts? Well, that's a great question. I'm going to do this in 10 seconds. I, I have two two jerseys hanging up and actually two items, if you would say, hanging in my office. One of them is a, is a jersey of not Jerry Rice, my team, great teammate and friend, but of Steve Largent, right? Steve Largent was from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was born and reared. 
And it was because of his character, his personality, congressman, and all that good stuff. And then I got an East German military uniform for totally different reasons, right? But they really keep me centered. And it's the personality of Steve Largent that I think about when I think about Andre. I think he's the same temperament, understated, just a, a bulwark of a guy, consistent personality, um, that type of guy who, who causes you to, to personify that old edict more as caught than taught. You, he, will, he will perform and demonstrate his traits and his attributes every single day. And if you're in his orbit, you're going to catch that. He didn't have to teach you anything. You see it, and you want to model that. The guy's an exceptional athlete, better person. Spencer, Georgia hammers Michigan. Alabama hammers Cincinnati. We get to Georgia, Alabama. I know for some people, they'd be like, oh, my God, it's always Alabama. But we have clearly the two best teams in college football meeting in the college football national championship. What were your thoughts watching the dismantling that Georgia and Alabama <laughs> put forth on Friday night? Well, you know what I was really thinking? I was really thinking about the team that was that backdoored that fourth spot, Cincinnati, and how much of a, of a land blasting they were going to get from a lot of people saying they didn't belong, which I think is the most egregious thing you could possibly say. Because those same people saying that Cincinnati – didn't belong after what they had to navigate to actually even get in the position to do that. Right. You know how much what had to go right for them to be in that position? I mean, so much had to go right. Long story short, if their people are willing to land by Cincinnati for getting blown out, why don't we say the same thing for Michigan? Michigan got it handed to them, right? They're a blue blood, and that's the only material difference between those two. One has a longer legacy than the other. But both of them got hammered by two stalwarts from the SEC. I mean, so what's new? Um, so the game is going to continue to evolve. But the bottom line is this. Down in the South, maybe it's dysfunctional. Call it what you will. But the, it, it means more. The game means more down there. You go back and look. Saving Ohio State, gentlemen, north of the Mason-Dixon, there's been one team in the last 20 years that's won a national championship. That's not a trend. There's a reason why that exists. So it's deep South. They love their football. Spencer, help me out with this. When a coach takes a new job, why can't he just coach the team in the bowl game? I know that maybe he's going to blow out some assistance or whatever. Maybe that makes it awkward. Is that the reason? Doesn't want it on his record. This is part of last season, not next season. I don't want to have anything to do with it until next season. But you're you're in the building. Can't you coach? Why can't they do this? Mark, you have just asked <laughs> the most important question in the history of college football that most fans aren't seeing and aren't aware of. The reason why? The recruiting. It matters. The, the, the early signing dates and all of those things really matter most. The sooner you can get away from a program, take Lincoln Riley, a, a classic example. Four of the players that he was actively recruiting at that point in time probably wouldn't have signed with USC had he not left the way he did and ex expediently as he left. It's about the personalities involved, the players. These coaches know that, and they operate in a different world. And to me, it's one of the most obvious things, but people don't talk about it because we want to live in that vacuum, right, insulated from these realities. you got to listen to the Kirk Herbstreit, who I like. He's a friend and all that stuff. But I call him to task, man, on some of the things he said recently about the game. Mm -hmm. He ignores the realities, and I get it. I understand. You, you, you work for the four-letter network. I get why you do what you do. But the bottom line is the bottom line is you have to tell the complete story. Don't feign ignorance like you don't know why some of these kids are sitting out. Tell the whole story. Disagree with it, but tell the whole story. Don't feign ignorance and put them in a moral dilemma and suggest that you're above that, all of that. It's just, it's just disingenuous to me. Over the years of doing Texans Monday, this is our eighth year, concluding my eighth year of doing Texans Monday. I love having Spencer on because he will not call it right down the middle. He is going to tell you exactly what he thinks. 
good, bad, or otherwise. You can like it or not, but you're going to get Spencer Tillman's truth coming forward, and I love, love, love him for that, no question. All right, we got to go to break. Before we do, I want to remind you, tonight, Monday Night Football could be Ben Roethlisberger's last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler in Pittsburgh. So you definitely want to check that out against the Cleveland Browns. That'll be coming up right after All Access. And if you are watching the game, Monday night is for Miller Lite. Miller Lite has been a true Texas original since 1975, right here, first brewed in Texas, right in our backyard. The original light beer is celebrating 20 seasons with the Houston Texans. As a championship partner, Miller Lite is great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer with great taste delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find a delivery option near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And at this point, John Madden, RIP, would be breaking through the poster telling you how it tastes great and it's less filling at the same time. Man, as a kid, I just remember seeing those commercials of John Madden breaking through the poster. I always wanted to do that. So that's great stuff there from our friends at Miller Lite. All right, we get back, take a quick run around the NFL. What happened? A lot of playoff things happened yesterday as well. We'll hit all that next on Texans All Access. It's All Access. It's All Access. We got one final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Glad you're with me. And I used to be a teacher. So I know at this time of the year, you're going back from the holidays. You've been off for a few weeks. And you need anything to kind of keep you going, especially if you're teaching math to a bunch of third and fourth graders. Well, you want to bring a little Texans football to your classrooms? And sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Appreciate ConocoPhillips for doing that for all my great teachers out there. And there are so many of you that I know spend Sunday watching ball. But I know that it can get sort of hectic, and maybe you don't get a chance to see everything that's going on. So why don't we recap what happened in the NFL on Sunday? Cue my music, and let's rock. In Buffalo, the Bills lock up a playoff spot. Now, neither the Bills nor the Patriots could lock up the AFC East division title, The Bills have to win Week 18. The Patriots have to win and get some help. I don't know if that'll happen, but Buffalo got a win yesterday. Josh Allen threw three interceptions. But it didn't matter because the Bills may have found a running game. The guy's been there the whole time. Devin Singletary ran for 110 yards and two tutties. They win by 14, 29-15. Atlanta eliminated. Arthur Smith kept them around which is amazing they are now seven and nine as they go into the finale buffalo is ten and six buffalo needs a win and they win the afc east the bears and giants well the bears won 29 to three doesn't really matter neither team really racing for anything at that point but robert quinn set a team sack record for the bears it's pretty amazing to think about all the great bears pass rushers robert quinn's season this year is the best 
And then you had Joe Judge uh, after the game, which was oy. Bengals and Chiefs played an all-timer, man. What a day. What a day. Joe Burrow followed up 525 yards last week against the Ravens with 446 yards passing, four touchdowns. Jamar Chase went absolutely Jackson Smith and Jigba crazy. 11 receptions, 266 yards, three touchdowns. And the Bengals, Evan McPherson kicked a 26-yard field goal as time expired to win the game 34-31. Now, let's talk about these two games together. That and the Titans-Dolphins. The Titans beat the Dolphins soundly. Tua, hey. Two for 205, but he had an interception, and it was ugly. Deontay Foreman, 132 yards and a touchdown. Now, why did I bring these two games up together? Well, Tennessee's win moved the Tennessee Titans to 11-5. The loss by the Chiefs left the Chiefs at 11-5. That makes Sunday a number one seed game for the Titans. In 2019, the Titans needed to just get in the playoffs to beat the Texans. Well, the Texans didn't need the game. They were already in as the AFC South Division winner. Last year, the Titans came here with a win, could sew up the AFC South, and they got that win on a doink. This year, they're coming here with a chance for the number one seed. It's as simple as that. Titans win. The Titans are the number one seed in the AFC. I know. Well, I, I just threw up in my mouth saying that, but that's the case. Now, if the Titans lose and the Chiefs win, it's the Chiefs. The Titans beat the Chiefs this year. Therefore, they've got the tiebreaker. So if they both win, they're both 12-5. and five. It'll be the Titans as the one seed, the Chiefs as the two. If the Titans lose, i.e. Texans beat them Sunday again in 2021, the Chiefs with a win will then be the one seed. The Chiefs will play on Saturday, which is kind of amazing to think. The Raiders found a way. Derek Carr made one of the great plays I've seen him make. Setting up a Daniel Carlson game-winning field goal. Carr did not have the greatest day, but he made one of the greatest throws Hunter Renfro has ever seen. That set up a field goal. Las Vegas moves to 9-7, and they will play the Chargers. Chargers beat the Broncos 34-13. It's win and in. That moves to Sunday night. Cardinals came up with an unbelievable win against the Cowboys 25-22. The Bucs came from behind in the Antonio Brown Bowl. The Patriots hammered the Jaguars 50-10. Jalen Hurts brought the Eagles back 20-16 over Washington, got them in the playoffs. The Rams found a way to beat the Ravens 20-19 on the road as Matt Stafford threw for over 300 yards. And the Packers clinched the number one seed in the NFC. Congratulations, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. They did it again 13 wins on the season. Could be 14 with a win. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Appreciate Spencer, Andre Johnson, Mark Vandermeer, of course, all of you. Robert, my man back in studio, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.